it's Tom Stevens, your resident psychotherapist, back from reaction therapy for another podcast edition with my son. The, let me start that over. Can I start that over? Guess you can. This There's is behind the scenes. Nothing like cool. live being on the spot, y'all. Hey, it's Tom Stevens, your resident psychotherapist from Reaction Therapy, here for another edition of the Reaction Therapy podcast with none other than Nick Stevens. Nick, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm excited for this. A lot of questions will be answered hopefully tonight, and it's our first a lot of other stuff ever live edition of the Reaction Therapy podcast. You're going to see something a little different today because we are going to be interacting with people who are live with us right now. If you're watching this. After it's already been recorded, you're going to see questions that come up. You're going to hear discussion, and we're going to be talking to people that are actually watching live. So the mm -hmm. next time we do it, be here because it's exciting, fun time. Nick, what do we got on tap? You know what? We're going to start out a little controversial. Con controversial. Controversial. I said that wrong. We're going to start a little bit controversial. Uh, we're going to do. Uh, we're going to talk about the little target miss not mishap i shouldn't call it a mishap the little target video we made uh last night as we're recording this video we we uh we released a target video what did you call it a target what i called it a mishap mishap but i don't know why i, was, I wasn't thinking i wasn't thinking okay Let's this is live start over i'm not starting over this is a live okay. podcast like okay. yeah, can't start over on a podcast i accidentally said something it's whatever so we're going to talk about the target video uh tom uh, reacted to the boycott target video. If you haven't seen it, it's not that easy to find, uh, believe it or not, if, but you can find I? it by looking up boycott target on YouTube. Uh, Tom reacted to it and he got a lot if, of feedback. If you put boycott target reaction, I think we pop up pretty quick. Yeah. There's not too many people who've done it. Stevie Knight did it. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about that. What have you seen from your comment commenters on the video? Like what, What's kind of the general feel? How did you think you did in the video? And just anything else you want to say? First of all, that? I want to say before we get into that, thank you to everybody who is live here with us tonight Facts. watching. Honestly, it is cool to have a live crowd. We are going to answer your questions. It's cool to have people who are interested in mental health and here to talk about everything we got going to reaction therapy. So thank you so much for showing up live. When it comes to that reaction, the boycott target video, you know, honestly, we do reactions for two reasons here at Reaction Therapy, uh, for the most part. Number one, they are requested videos that come in from people and they're like, hey, you should try this, you should try that. Number two, it is because they are trending videos. Like they're just like every Friday, we do New Music Friday. They're trending videos that are high on the charts, of which this video was number one above every single other pop artist, hip hop, R&B that there was out there. And really there's third reason, isn't there? That if we see something or I do that's mental health focused that I want to do, doesn't matter how popular, I will want to put that out too. So there's really mm -hmm. three reasons. Number one, that it is requested. Number two, that it's actually trending and we need to watch it because it's a popular thing and everybody's watching it. Number three, that it's mental health focused. That is fell into one of these categories and uh, that's why I did it. And I honestly wasn't sure. I, after I watched it, I was very sure this was going to be an issue. Uh, and an issue meaning that a lot of people were going to be respond, which by the way, I love responses. I don't take things personally. I just, the only time I have trouble is when people misinterpret or take what I say and judge me for it personally mm -hmm. as a person. I try not to tread in ground that I don't know about, but when it comes to ground I do know about, I try to speak a voice because I feel like it is my part in the world to do that as a mental health professional. So. 
I couldn't believe there were that many comments coming out, honestly. I thought the video would kind of maybe get a thousand views or something and then it would die off. But today, it, the trend on it is only going higher and people are watching it. And there are a bunch of comments on that there video. There are a bunch of comments. There's about 150 comments on it. when and Already in one day. Compared to about 200 something likes. So the comments are way up. And Which I think great. It, I love it. It's cool because it sparks a conversation. Um, and we never want to act like we're trying to hate on anybody. Uh, we just like to have conversations, mental health conversations. Um, so I, I think it was a great thing we did. I don't, I don't feel bad for putting it out. Um, for those people that said you're going to turn a lot of people off. It's, it's like, that's not what, what we're here to do. Like if people yeah. don't like it, that's okay. Like I'm, We're really not here to do that. Like we're here to spread mental health. And sometimes, you know, like I said, in one of my comments, like, some people think I like knew this group or yeah. had seen it before. I didn't know who these people were. I had never heard of them before. I actually just saw that they were trending and that it was about Target. And I thought, hmm, that'd be interesting. And then number two, I don't, um, when you look at like Dance with the Devil by Immortal Technique, you look mm -hmm. at Kim from Eminem. These are songs, you look at, what was that other one? Insane Clown Posse. Mm -hmm. Like there are songs I've listened to that I don't know these going in. So I really don't know what I'm getting into until I get into them. And it's a first time reaction. So yeah. obviously we are not 100% like in the know of every video we look at, but I'm excited Definitely for tonight. Not. Yeah. Okay. Well, Hope I guess, everybody's doing good. What? Yeah. Uh, before we get to all of y'all's questions, let's start out. We can talk out. about that too, by the way. We can if y'all have questions about it. Um, Let's start out with like some mental health topics. So do you want to, I don't know where you want to start. You know, I've had so many comments, questions, or suggestions when it comes to the podcast that I thought I want to do a live podcast so I can get people on uh, and asking about something right away. A lot of it comes up with personality disorders, mood disorders, addictions, uh, those kind of things. And I thought, well, that's good because we can talk about that. I'm not an expert in everything. I know there are a lot of myths when it comes to the mental health field that I, I thought about talking about because yeah. so many people just lump the mental health field all together and they think because I'm a mental health professional that I prescribe medication, mm. that I do a certain kind of therapy or whatever. We're not all the same in the mental health field. You have counselors, which are grassroots therapists that actually do the counseling on the issues that you've got, the talk therapy and the, the other uh, techniques. You've got psychologists that are PhDs that do, uh, they are doctoral level uh, educated and they do uh, a lot of testing. They can do counseling too, but they do a lot of testing. And then you've got MDs, which are med medical doctors, and they have an advanced degree beyond that, that they do medication. That's the psychiatrist that we talk about. So there mm -hmm. are different levels of it. And also that all mental health treatment is not the same. Just because you see one counselor is not the same as another counselor, okay? Everybody's different. Everybody has different training and different skills and different expertise. And so my knowledge is not vast enough to know everything. I just have the 28 years that I've done this and the people I've seen, the study studying I've done, the mentoring and the learning that I've done that's gone with it. But generally speaking, what I thought would be highlighted tonight would be like mood disorders, personality disorders. And the mood ones are like the depression, the uh, seasonal affective disorder. Anybody heard of that? SAD, S-A-D. Mm. A lot of people have talked about that before. I don't know if you've heard about that. Have I you haven't. About that? There's a comment. I know we're going to get to questions later, but this this might be a good one. We can go off of what you're thinking, no. but somebody asked, what about anxious, anxious attachment disorder? Oh, we can go into attachment disorders. 
Yeah, I mean, oh boy, we can get, we. this could be a really long podcast, which maybe we need to do it again. But different attach, attachment disorders when it comes to anxious, when it mm -hmm. comes to avoidant, when it comes to dismissive attachments, yes. So if there's a specific question towards that, I'm happy to answer that if it's it's yeah. what is an anxious or what do you do about it. I just love to talk it? about it. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, because those different attachment styles that you learn early in life, um, and this is going a little off topic. Let me just finish real quick on the other ones. Because when yeah. it came to the mood ones, I was talking about depression, bipolar, sad. When it came to personality disorders, you're talking about OCD, like obsessive compulsive disorders. You're talking about borderline personality. You're talking about uh, narcissism mm -hmm. that fits into those type of things. There are different categories of things to do. Um, and when it comes to addiction, boy, there's a bazillion of them, right? I was trying to list them off in my head last night and I was thinking, okay, there's food, there's alcohol, there's gaming, there's drugs, there's sex, there's gambling, there's exercise, there's self-harm. Then I started writing them down. There's money, spending addiction. There are a bazillion different kinds of addiction. So that falls in its own kind of category that we deal with. And I mm -hmm. did learn last night, I didn't know this. You'd think I would, being in the mental health field. The borderline personality is not actually looked at it as much that way anymore. It's, it's now EUPD, which is Emotionally Unstable mm -hmm. Personality Disorder which is very interesting because borderline goes back to the old days. And everybody's like, why is it borderline? And they would like, kind of, what, are you, what say, are you on the border of? Because, well, that was what it was a long time ago. They said it's kind of the, the border between, uh, what was it? Psychosis and, uh, neurosis or something, mm -hmm. the way you think, the way you act. Uh, interesting. and it's no longer seen that way, I guess is the key. So mm -hmm. I guess this new way is a way of, of kind of softening that and, and making it a little bit more accurate. So mm. onto your, you wanted to hear about the anxious attachment. Well, I just saw a comment and I thought <clears> it would <throat> be kind of similar to when people develop an anxious attachment, I'll do the adult version, not why it happened, but when you have an anxious attachment that you've kind of developed in your life, you tend to be very insecure in relationships. Now this is labeling. Please don't take this as every single person in the world. It's a generalization tonight. This is not real therapy. It's just Tom talking about mental Breaking health. But anxious attachment means if you're in a relationship and you're not sure the other person's like super in love with you or really mm -hmm. likes you, you're always asking questions of them. Are you okay? Is everything okay? You want to talk? Anything I can do? You're always kind of worried when they go away a little bit. They may not even be like wanting to leave the relationship, but you can always be worried about whether or not uh, it's okay whether it's your fault, whether you've done something wrong, whether you need to do something else. So that's the anxious piece. Okay. Okay. And those are typically formed from all of these attachment styles are formed early in life when you're a baby. And if you are loved, cared for, ood, odd over, cuddled, taken care of, all the needs met, then you develop trust and your attachment becomes secure. If it's ever insecure where you can't trust it, that's where you get all uh, just varying levels of attachment or connection from adults and grownups in terms of love. It might happen one day. It might happen. Then might not happen the next. If you feel a burden of responsibility, like it's your fault, uh, you are the one who's messing things up. That's what's going to develop an anxious attachment for you. Then there's dismissive gotcha. attachment. There's avoidant attachment. There are different kinds of styles of that. But the anxious typically comes from you grow up and you feel like it's your fault. You couldn't be good enough. And you're always trying to please and always trying to make things okay. Interesting. I have a comment um, from Mazin that I think works really well with this. Uh, Juice World said he had a type of anxiety called detachment. 
kind of wondering mm -hmm. what the, is that what we're talking about or not really i mean detachment is kind of where emotionally you learn to just not attach you learn to like not really feel or care or concern you might love people i think you had a big heart uh, you just learn to not attach to other people and their emotions and so you can look really distant you can look uncaring you can look unfeeling mm -hmm. and so that was that was how he dealt with his anxiety i think is what that comment saying okay. he would deal with his anxiety and his stress through just shutting down and detaching so if i detach in a big anxious situation it's kind of like i look like i don't care but i really do it's just the only way i know how to cope Okay. <clears throat> interesting let's talk Daniel. about yeah I shout out green uh we can do y'all y'all watching are not gonna make any sense after like if you're watching this way after you're not gonna know That's what we're true. talking about uh but adrian daniel both longtime members members Good for to see 10 months almost a year here. almost a year um, adrian, can't believe it adrian said he's about to finish the eight mile reaction which is on patreon if you want to see the full thing it's on Patreon. Whole movie um y'all can see that there um I hope we can figure out a way to do watch parties for YouTube videos and documentaries. That'd be cool. You mean like do what I'm doing, but live? Is that I guess. What you mean? Either like that, I don't doing? know. Either that or maybe um, have like a live stream where we watch your reaction or something. I don't know. I don't know. know. I don't know. That'd be cool. And then uh, I have to shout out Daniel as well. He said, I've always supported the message Tom spreads and the meaning behind the channel. It's helped me a lot become a better person. Mental health matters. Love me some awesome. Daniel. Such a cool guy. <laughs> Yeah, he really has been awesome. a great supporter and, you know, fire rea reactions and requests he gives. Awesome. But got us on the Suicide cool Boys. Got us on the Suicide Boys. Always cred to that. We wouldn't have mm -hmm. even known about them without Daniel. Yeah. So, questions awesome. flying in. Nick's right. going to be keeping up with all the questions. We don't yeah. have to stay with this y'all are, are also going to, y'all are also going to have to, if you don't, if we don't get to your question, just comment it again if you can, um, because we're kind of going in similar, somewhat of an order. But we're also going to mix things in. I wanted to Your talk. questions about, matter though. We want to answer those. Oh, tonight. yeah, we definitely do. Really quick, I wanted to talk about since it's like basically summertime now, it's a new season. And I know some people can, and we've talked about it on some of our podcasts before. People, some people can have different moods be, when seasons change. That's kind of what you're talking about at the beginning. So with summer approaching, what kind of moods could people be kind of having like i'm sure if summer's not a very fun time like some people love school like i'll shout out my roommate from college um he was awesome he loved being at school and that's one one thing that some people love being at school some people don't some people like being at home so i just wanted to ask kind of the question um what kind of moods people could be coming in and some it's completely it's a variety like honestly that's very hard to pinpoint because you know, somebody who loves summer uh, and hates winter, there could be another person that loves winter and hates summer. Like, so I don't think there's necessarily a tie between, I mean, a lot of people would say, you know, sometimes in winter it's dark, it's cold, and so mm. depression can happen. There's just as many parents who can get depressed in summer because their children are home all the time, driving them nuts, and they don't, they don't feel like they, and it's hot, and they don't feel comfortable, and they just are staying inside all day. So I don't know that there's a tie to, I know there are different seasons and people's moods that happen. I'm not sure if you're saying, 
I'm not sure what you're saying about it. Well, I mean, you have on our outline seasonal affective disorder. Which well, I want to yes. know what that is. So sad seasonal affective disorder is a general pattern. You could have just said that. Well, I was trying to not say, hey, it's let's a, look at our notes here. <laughs> it's a general pattern of seasons. That's why I said we don't need to follow our notes. If we have questions on here with people, let's go to you. Okay, let's but finish this out. We'll get to it. Seasonal affective <laughs> disorder, I'm sure all of y'all know what it's about. It is a traditional pattern, meaning say it's winter, you generally continue to get the same depressed mood each of that same season. If it's spring, if it's fall, it's it's summer. I mean, typically it's in the darker months, Mm. uh, the sadder months, but it is a cyclical thing. So it's something you got to look out for and you have to prepare for it and you have to be ready for it and not beat yourself up for it, but not let it overtake you. And so it is kind of one of those cyclical things, right? where your mood can change during that same season every single year. And it's important to know that because if you have that, it's just like depression. You have to know how you work with it. Mm -hmm. With depression, we all know the way to help and heal and cure depression is activity. It's not stillness, quietness, and curling up in a dark room. It's activity. It's movement. It's it's activating and involvement in the world. Cool. Yeah. All right. Let's get to some questions. Nick's so good trying to cover my notes. I'm trying to do my best to get to things. Go back. Let's answer right. these questions. I'll answer this question from Callie, a longtime supporter. Um, how does someone know an antidepressant is working well for them, and what if you don't really have depression? Well, the way to know if it is working is that you are not overly drugged, and you do not feel like nothing is happening, and you're still in the same depressive state. The best way to look at medication is your body feels normal and you feel not like super pumped and life's awesome and I'm in such a good mood. It really isn't about that. The medication is supposed to balance out your chemicals. And when it balances out your chemicals, it lets you then see, hear, and do things differently. And so it's almost like, you know, if you were doing going to give a speech in front of a thousand people and you were freaking out, and you were nervous and somebody gave you, for instance, like a beta blocker or something that helped your body still, which is something that would actually make the nerves calm. You're still nervous in your body, but you don't feel it. If they were able to do that, you could go give the speech and you'd be like, this is really nerve wracking experience, but I feel like kind of okay. Like I can go give the speech. That's what you want to look for is that, you know, I feel pretty regular. I don't Mm. feel too up. I don't feel too down. And my mood's not going up and down. And therefore, I feel more motivated to make change. I feel more motivated to do things, go for a walk, to do some exercise, to interact with people, to try to work on my own mental health. And so it's not about you being super up. It's not about you being super down. Your body just kind of levels out and you feel regular again and you want to work on yourself. That's why we say get on medication if it's needed, only if it's needed. Do therapy so that you can figure out what your issues are and what got you there. And then you can go down off the medication, hopefully, is the, the goal, so that then you can regulate again. And once your chemicals are balanced, hopefully they can stay in. The chemicals get imbalanced again because the mood starts going all over. And sometimes that's your life situation. And sometimes it's because it's a chronic thing that goes on. Gotcha. And the second one was like, what if you don't? What if you don't have depression? If you don't have depression, the medication is not going to work. In fact, it'll have an or alternate. Or don't, don't really have depression. I yeah, guess, then you, you don't, don't need the do. medication. That's why I'd like to do therapy before medication, just mm-hmm. because the medication with any kind of mood issues and, and depression is going to take two, three, four weeks to level out in your system. And then you're going to have to see, was it the right dose? Is it the right kind? Is it working mm-hmm. right? And if not, then you've got to change it, wait another two or three weeks 
and it can be really hard to find the right medication. ADHD medicine, very different. In and out of your body, same day. You're going to know if it works right away, and you can switch very easily. Okay. And is depression a lifelong disorder? No. I mean, it can be. I wouldn't say, never say never, right? Like, so if, like, because I know there's, people say that, like, addiction you'll have for the rest of your life. Like, if you have a certain addiction that you always will have tendencies towards it, I I don't know if that's the same for Yeah, once you're an addict, you're always an addict, which means uh, it can be arrested. It can be recovered, Mm -hmm. where you can see people in addiction who recovered that never, you could see them never having to worry about it again because they put such safeguards up in their life and they've become so healthy. Depression's the same way. You can have a tendency towards depression but never have to experience it again the rest of your life. If you have good treatment and you you put good kind of safeguards into place in your life, you can actually live without worrying about that again. It doesn't mean you won't get sad. Recognize the difference between de- being depressed and having clinical depression, they're very different things. People get depressed over anything, their job struggles, life struggles, somebody in your family passes away, you know, you, you just are having a really hard time. That you can be depressed without having being diagnosed clinically yeah. depressed. So recognize we get on we get on medication a little too quickly in this world, or at least in this country, and we stay on it a little bit too long sometimes. And we have this issue with stacking medication where we take one and then another and then another and then another. And it, it sometimes can be an issue. I'm not a medical doctor, so I can't speak to the to all of that. I just know from the clients I've seen that that's where they struggle. Okay. So with depression, mental health therapy does help. Cool. Um, okay. Hey, Tom. I'm just wondering. I had firsthand psychosis. Now I'm all good, but even after two years, I still fear it and think about it almost every day. Any advice to get over it? Yeah, that's tough. I mean, this is the PTSD type stuff. I'm not saying that that's what it is. I'm just, again, you're going to hear me generalize on a lot of things to make it very simple and easier so it's not long-winded. But there is a triggering or traumatizing effect when you go through a psychosis like that. And I don't know your story, but the general thing I would say is it doesn't hurt to have a little bit of therapy, maybe a little bit of EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization reprocessing. It's bilateral stimulation of the brain that helps desensitize the brain to trauma because you can worry about it. If you're in a car accident, a really bad car accident, you survive and do okay, you go through a similar intersection. If Mm. you hear the song on the radio that was playing when you were in Mm -hmm. the car accident, if you see the color car that hit you, like any of those a year two, five years down the road can still bring you back. It doesn't mean Mm -hmm. it's horrible, but man, it's really hard when it comes to trauma and triggers. So my advice is just number one, keep being conscious of that's not here. I'm in this place now. Leave the room you're in, go to a different room and kind of just rebreathe a little bit, drink some water and say, okay, I had that feeling. I had that triggering response. I'm in a different place now have a therapist on hand just so you can call and go to if you ever need to. Literally, people meet me sometimes, have an initial session with me, and then don't see me for yeah. a year, two, five years because they don't need to. Mm-hmm. But when they come back, I know them and I know their story. Also, talking about that trauma, we did an episode, a podcast episode just on trauma. It's called What Triggers Your Trauma mm-hmm. is what the title of it is. Um, so go check that out because it's definitely, we talk more in depth about trauma. Yeah. There's a lot of topics that we've covered on our podcast that um, some of y'all maybe not, have, y'all haven't seen. So if you have any like questions about any kind of disorder, we've covered anxiety, depression, um, trauma, 
addiction. We've covered a lot of different topics on our podcast. So go make sure you go check out, check that out. Tiny Ninja, good to see you. I'm literally now just seeing all the people that are here. Bizzle, good to see you. Ricky, good to see you. Just everybody. I'm doing my Callie. best to. I know you going. are. You're doing great. There's a lot. Uh, do you have any knowledge on fantasy attachment? No. I don't. I'd be, dumped I'd be curious. <laughs> stumped me. But I'm a guy, I mean, I don't talk about what I don't know. To know what yeah. I don't know is so important. And if I don't know about it, I would I will tell you. I don't know about that what is. I'm guessing, um, I'm curious, like if it's about being attached to something that's not in reality here or someone that's not in reality and feeling that attachment, even though it's not actually literally here. Uh, but I don't know anything about that, no. Okay. Uh, so this is a BPD question. Okay. And that I'm assuming you mean borderline personality. Yeah. Disorder, Probably. right? Uh, Spell those out for me because when you do the letters, sometimes people mean different things. And I saw one on uh, EDD from Callie. I'm not sure what she means by that. So tell me what it is. EDD, where is it's, that? It's probably real recent. Okay, I'm not looking yeah, at just, just go I'm trying to look list. to see if, because this was by Kat. I wanted to see. Hey, Kat. Um, I don't know for sure. Uh, okay, so the question is, if I can find it again. Uh, BPD question: Do visual do visual hallucinations mean I'm getting worse or ready to face new things in therapy? Do what, what hallucination? I'm visual sorry. visual hallucination. hallucination. You know, I don't know. I mean, that's that's a tough one to answer, just because it depends on whether those are actually positive and helpful and healthy, meaning you're okay with them, or do they spiral you and kind of send you backwards? So. Uh, I think I would bring those into the person that I'm talking to, see what they mean, because sometimes I'll see people with that and it's actually holding them back. And other times I see people uh, having that experience and they are ready to look at and face new things more. It really is within your own body. You're going to know yourself more and whether or not it's a scary thing or not, and whether it's Mm -hmm. something that it's like, I think this is me wanting to face something versus, ooh, I'm really getting triggered by this. Cool. Uh, G Money, thank you so much for joining the supporters. Hey, thank you. see that. I love that. And we got to answer your question now since you just became a member. Oh, yeah. Anybody who joins, top of the first of the line. Seriously. Uh, Maybe. I just gave five memberships as well. Five memberships. To five new people at that Reaction just, that just Therapy. Made me wanna, that just made me want That is so cool. Cat, you get one. Beastie gets one. Cakey gets one. Kaylee, the real Tom Stevens. It's not you. <laughs> what? I'm not the real Tom Stevens. I should have gotten that yes, account. Not. All right. Congrats, so, y'all. So, G-Money, I'm going to do this. Do you have a pod on tackling social anxiety? I feel like that's the only thing holding me back professionally and personally. Physically, I feel like I'm going to implode in a, any social setting you're preaching to me because that's yeah, how no, i nick, feel let nick speak personally about that uh, you probably good. you probably want a real uh, therapist answer on that but i'll give you my answer i mean i don't know that we've talked specifically about social anxiety we definitely have talked about anxiety um so we have a we have a podcast on anxiety um but for social anxiety specifically how you how i try to attack it is like really trying to, I say this, trying to put yourself in situations for one where you're going to have to be social, but also 
Um, I've always, I've had help. I've, I mean, I haven't had therapy because Tom's my dad, but I've oh, had, I've can't have therapy from your dad. Well, I know. Please be clear with that. I know, but like, um, but he's helped exposure. me out. You're talking about exposure type. You're not even letting me answer the okay. question. Go ahead. Sorry. I'm trying to answer the question for G money. One of my friends, I call him G money. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, for me, what I try to do is I've learned from my dad, my mom, they've helped me with this is write down certain things to say. Um, so if you're going out and you're meeting somebody or if you're going to be in a group, uh, depending on what the group is or who the person is, write down three things to say just to have in your back pocket if things come up and you just get really awkward because it always happens. Even the most social people people will get awkward in conversations. It's not like the most social people all the time are just always with it. Like They have awkward moments too. But I, I would say to have questions ready to go, like to know what you're going to say. So at least it gives you something to bring up. And a lot of times, if you're with another person, a lot of times if you ask them a question, especially like if it's if you're a guy and it's a girl, like if you're going on a date with somebody, that's especially the time because girls like to talk is what they say. But just have questions ready because people usually like to answer questions and talk about themselves. And that's the biggest thing that's helped me in social settings is coming up with things to say. So the pressure is kind of more off you. Yeah, and kudos to Nick, that's by the way, saying. if you go back to the beginning of reaction therapy and how much he's had to face that whole issue of social anxiety, which means I'm staring here into a camera of now what you would know as friends, a lot of friends and people that you know, yeah. but it's still, you're getting zero feedback from people of whether they actually like you, laugh at you, <laughs> think you're weird. No idea. The, and yeah. so you're, you're having to build your own confidence. You have done a lot of that. Kudos to you, by the way. Half, half. And uh, I think what I would tell most people is you have to look inward rather than outward. And so there are many people who are very social who still feel uncomfortable or out of their skin or, yeah. or kind of out of their comfort zone when it comes to things socially, but they show it differently. And so the best way to deal with any social anxiety is to recognize that you're not there for what you're going to get from those people backwards, whether they like you, appreciate you, understand you, think you're weird or funny or whatever. It's about what you're there to do. And so that's why I teach people to go in with a pocket full of questions or comments to people that could apply to anybody so that you're ready to start a conversation or engage with people no matter what. So the best way to deal with social anxiety is exposure. It's to be able to gradually get yourself in situations. And that starts literally with your mirror. Yeah. So it's kind of good to see that because your mirror is going to be the best teacher for you to watch your face and to see how you act and you pretend other people are there. The next is going to be, you could go to a TV screen and you could turn the volume down and you could talk to the people on the TV screen. As weird as all yeah. this sounds, they taught us this in therapy school. Like, Learn to be empathic and understanding. And most people that get socially anxious quit looking at the people around them. They're so nervous about the fact that they're going to have to say something that they lose the conversation. I can't remember what we're talking about or I don't even know what to say. And all I'm thinking about is I can't pull anything out of my body to say. So it takes a little practice. Groups help yeah. that. Uh, different interactions on Discord or places where you can talk to people help. Yeah. Also, like if y'all, I'll I'll expose myself here because I'm I'm still I still struggle with that. When I answer your question, I'll be honest, I probably wasn't looking at the camera the whole time, even though it's a literal camera that, you know, it's not a person, but I I look off to the side sometimes because I get nervous or I want to think what I'm saying. So 
it's just it's working on it because mm-hmm. just like losing weight or gaining weight or whatever you're trying to do it takes it not it doesn't just happen overnight like it it takes time after time working on mm-hmm. it anyway that was a long yeah, we have I a like, ton of questions i like ricky's comment about um there are great books to read also i do like that ricky uh how to win friends and influence people that is good the carnegie book oh my gosh yes very good uh it it's uh how to talk to anyone by larry king yes mm. um any books podcasts practicing literally practicing conversation when you're not with people can really help and by the way start with your friends and your loved ones practice having conversation like nick and i could have a conversation where he could practice like doing things that he's not really comfortable with before going out into the world and do so people you love people that are friends of yours do that as well people that won't tear you down if you met like because there there are people out there that um are just not good people to practice on. <laughs> yeah, uh, you got to find the people that will not judge you for what you do. Anyway, let's go Pico on. Works also uh, has said that uh, they've been doing. I've been desensitized EMDR. Yeah, it's kind of techniques, not doing EMDR, but techniques, and probably part of me and a response on five. By the way, you go to five dot me. I hope we can put that link up. Five dot me slash reaction therapy is our new platform for mental health. There are several a lot of people who have joined that platform, and you can actually ask me questions of which Pico Warps has done and is a part of, and I can give you answers and we can start a conversation back and forth. That's part of the EMDR Pico Warps is talking about, that you use a technique of bilateral stimulation. And there's a good book called um, Getting Past Your Past by Francine Shapiro that is good to check out for regular people anywhere. But when you do that, it's and they've said it's revealed uh, things and also helped things. Yes, mm-hmm. it's very normal. And it always helps to get help from somebody too. When you get a therapist that understands EMDR, they can walk you through some other ways to do it. I'm glad you tried that, but it any bilateral stimulation or walking helps too. Go ahead, Nick. Cool. I'm just trying to get to as many yes. as I can. Roll through. Uh, okay. I'm very addicted to nicotine. I'm not, but this person is. Very addicted to nicotine, and I know it's the reason I feel so bad all the time, but I can't quit, and it sucks. I don't know what to do because I feel so unmotivated to do anything. Yeah. That's that's horrible. Nicotine is one of the hardest. The only thing that I've seen harder as far as a regular uh, substance is vapes that are super duper hard to get off mm. of. I've heard the withdrawals are terrible. But nicotine, it is one of those things where, you know, you have to consciously put yourself around people and in situations where you are not so easily kind of pulled back into it. And you've got to find a replacement when it comes to nicotine. I mean, you've got to find something in the meantime that the old standard, right, is chewing gum or something or having mm-hmm. mints or something like that. But you've got to have something with the oil fixation to be able to subs. And I do think weaning off can help, whether it's with a vape or whether it's with nicotine gum, something that you've got to yeah. have something because nicotine is super duper hard to get off of. Mm-hmm. But you've got to start a new routine or habit with it, which means getting off work and going for a walk, taking your lunch break and going for a walk instead. Don't put yourself in places where you would normally sit and smoke. Don't sit on your balcony or back porch where you would normally smoke after work. You've got to change what you're doing. Mm. Okay. Um, Let's go on. Adrian asks, how do you recommend encouraging a close family member to talk talk to a therapist? I feel like my niece could benefit, but she is so against it. Give your own self-experience if you have any of like, you know what, tell tell about you. They teach you in 12-step programs with addiction. Like you, you are here to talk about yourself, not other people. Mm-hmm. Do your own therapy, not everybody else's. So you learn, you know, you share your experience, strength, and hope. I would share your own experience if you have any. 
I would share that, you know what's really cool? I've watched a reaction channel on YouTube of this guy. He's actually a therapist and he reacts to all this crazy music and he gives mental health stuff and it's pretty cool. And it's opened my eyes to therapy being kind of normal. You would be shocked at the number of younger people who have watched reaction therapy and have found therapy to be tolerable now because they've seen what I've said. So anything you can do, a video, a podcast, a book, uh, probably not a book if somebody's really turned off by it, but the experience people have, and usually um, I've even had people say, I think it's so valuable that if you wanna go, I would go with you your first time. Like I would go sit with you. If it's uncomfortable, you're not sure about it, uh, I wanna do anything I can to help. And you all, and being able to see me online helps people a lot, right? Because they feel like they know me Mm-hmm. And it's not this mystery, dude. People think they're coming in a doctor's office to see me with a white coat. I'm sitting behind a desk. It's nothing like what you think. But I would show them videos like that and say, this is kind of the person I'm talking about that would be a person you'd go see. And if it was that kind of person, would you be interested? So your own experience helps. Cool. Um, I'm going to run through some of these that aren't really questions, but I want to mention them. Callie said she started when she started ADD meds uh, a year ago. It felt normal for the first time, but around nine weeks into antidepressants, and I feel more tired and low than I ever did before. It could be that that the medication is not doing what it has been doing. So you want to check on that with the doctor and see is it not having the same effect? Do we need to change the dosage of it? Do we need to change the medication as a whole? Sometimes people have to switch. Uh, and sometimes people need a reset. They need to get off and get back on something else or get off and try to be off for a little bit just to to breathe. But I usually see that as like, if there's no major life change, like something really big has happened, then it's usually a medication issue that it's just adjusted to your, your um, what do you call that? Your, um, your body, your system. I'm losing the word right now, but. Um, okay. So this person, Jay, asks, how long will it take for your brain to get back to feeling normal after opiate abuse? Not opioid, it's O-P-I-A-T-E. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that Opiates? is. I'll yeah. be honest. I know what op- opioid is. That how long? Something? Yeah. Okay. How long does it? How long does it take your brain to get back to feeling normal? You know, it really depends on the treatment you get. Like if you just stop and don't do any kind of treatment at all, like, you know, mental health treatment, then it can take a long time. The typical is that when people start using it all of anything, you you kind of emotionally and mentally are stunted at that point. If you mm-hmm. really get into it when you're 15 and you stop using when you're 25, you kind of are still at 15 years old and you have to go back and kind of grow that part of yourself to catch up. And it'll catch up. It's just harder to do. If you, if you use for two years and stop or you use for 20 years and stop, you're still going to go back to when you really started using so the tendency would be, um, if it's a short period of time, a year or two, you can probably get back in six, I mean, I'm totally spitballing this here, but six, eight, 10 months, mm-hmm. depending on the treatment you get. It's not just naturally all of a sudden just going to flow back in. But if it's longer, sometimes it takes years. And that doesn't mean weekly therapy for years. It just means years of really working on yourself to get it back. So it it really is helpful to get treatment when you get off of using mental health treatment so that you can work through the issues that started the using to begin with and get your brain back to working again. Because the brain's gotta deal with emotional issues and if you started using at 15, they're not emotionally totally grown anyway. And so they gotta learn to grow up. 
Okay. Um, what's the best treatment for BP BPD or EDD? That's what I was asking about the EDD. What, which spell that out for me, because oh, okay. I'm, I'm wondering what you mean by that. Sorry. Uh, when it comes to, remember I said that borderline personality had a new name now. Yeah. Uh, Isn't that EUD? Yeah. So I was wondering if that's what she was meaning, but <clears throat> uh -huh. borderline treatment, I mean, therapy is good, know. but, um, um, DBT is probably the best dialectical, dialectical behavior therapy. So it's basically teaching you how to handle conflict, manage your emotions, be able to communicate with people better, again, generalizing. And there's a lot of people in the chat that might be able to react to that and speak to it as well, uh, which is more of what I wanna do over on five.me because it allows me to talk more about mental health. But the best treatment, I mean, therapy helps. And if you have a therapist that understands borderline and, and knows what it's about, it can help. It doesn't mean you have to have a DBT therapist to do it. Uh, it's somebody that's more experienced, can handle it. A newer person in the field is probably going to be challenged with it because there are so many ups and downs, highs and lows. And on our reaction therapy Snapchat page, like it's on Snapchat, it's really cool because yeah. there are a lot of postings on borderline that I've like screenshotted and saved because it really shows how the emotional moods can go up and down with borderline. It has traditionally been one of the most difficult disorders to treat, meaning it doesn't just erase very quickly. It can take time. I used to remember a study that said five to seven years was a typical course of treatment mm. for it. And it, it can be a challenge and typically is genetic. It typically comes down from a parent, uh, but it can be a lot to deal with. And anybody who's been through it, more women than men, typically, statistically, but it can be a lot to manage mood, emotions, reactions, handling situations, trying to create stability, all of that. Uh, but I would definitely look at DBT or a really skilled therapist that you can, you got, the trust is the key, right? With borderline, the trust in the therapist that they can contain you and know how to work with you and know your ins and outs. Okay. I, Wyatt, I just did this for you. I, I'm skipping to the bottom, but it's because Wyatt said, is there a way I can message you personally? I put just sent you the link to five.me slash reaction therapy. You can actually go on there and ask a question for free to Tom. For free? Yeah. I mean, you might wait a little bit to get the answer because there's more and more questions coming in. If you subscribe to one of the tiers, it's going to help you get kind of pushed up a little quicker yeah. on that. And you'll be opened up to all the questions everybody else asks. It's a really cool platform. It's yeah. There's no real way to message. There would be no way. I think I would like explode if i yeah. an just answered questions from everybody on my phone all day right? yeah Nick so what that. he's saying is they let you ask a question for free but it's not a guarantee that you'll get an answer um but most likely i'm would. doing my best so far i'm 100 percent like i'm answering so everything but it might take a little bit you know, upwards true. of 10 days two weeks to get an answer back yeah. if you're on one of the subscription tiers they go first i get to those more quickly and they have more perks to them perfect okay uh, where was I? I got out of. Appreciate. Henry, I don't um, know about this. Francine, Honestly. thank you so much for that. Um, hey, I found the channel through the NF videos. Love, love it cool. and what you're doing. Appreciate that. Somebody else mentioned that they were. Okay, what is the most interesting mental health disorder you've treated someone for? Interesting. Does that mean good, interesting, or bad, interesting? <laughs> Either way. You know. Without giving too much away, I had a guy once who believed 
that oh, I've heard the story. There was a family member spirit living in his cap <laughs> of his leg. Um, and that that may not be the most interesting. It just popped into my head right away. Um, man, that's a great question because if we just sat and talked about the different kinds of cases I've had, I can't get super specific on people because I can't just reveal everything about everybody. <laughs> yeah. But I do remember that one just it stood out. It's like, and really, and the spirit would talk, his his family member would talk back mm. to him. And in my session, he would he would ask, so do you think this Tom wants to know this? And he would he would listen and then he would say, Yeah, they said they said, <laughs> Yeah, it is. That's crazy. I know, and it was very That's, interesting. Uh, what did you do in the session? Like, were you just like were you in shock like well, when he was talking I mean, about that? I am I'm built on empathy and yeah. compassion and understanding and I wanted to learn more. I wanted to mm. hear more. He believed spiritually very much so this was what was actually happening. And who am I to say it is or isn't happening? <laughs> I just wanted to hear how it was affecting his life yeah. and it was kind of controlling his life and it was very hard. And uh, so there's a lot. That's really a good question. Yeah. We should do that over on five. Hey, fun. Adrian, appreciate that. Um, we'll have seen Nick grow his confidence with his own channel. Go check it out. Rise up reactions. Yep. Um, thousand views and subscribers. How much? Sorry, thank you so much. Oh, he also said how you can tell his uh, strong parental figures. Um, said something about how. Oh and, my gosh. Then he, then he said, "You did good, Tom." Look at what just popped up. I on know. My I'm. I'm getting to it. I see it. I don't want. I don't want to Thank overreact. You, we're gonna go on because Tony Steven, my brother. I know just, we're going to eat dinner after this. I can't wait. Oh, I got a. Uh... So look, we need to keep doing this. Like this is so yeah, fun to do. All right, answer questions. I'm gonna try to get through as many as just we can. We don't, we don't have a quick. ton. Tony, uh, thank you for that that donation. Um, we'll see you in just a little bit, and I'm gonna answer your question because he had one too. He had a question when. When you have a lot on your plate, how do you handle your mental health? It's important to get everything done, but sometimes my mental health suffers. Yeah, that's a great question. That's my son, Tony. Everybody say shout out, Tony. Shout hi, Tony. Out. I know that uh, Adrian said, what's for dinner, Tony? Answer them, Tony. Everybody say hi to Tony. He has such a cool I don't app. even know what it's for, what dinner wait. is. I don't so even know. answer to your question. A lot of people have this. How do you balance your mental health when you have a ton on your plate? And people ask me that too. Like, you got all this stuff going, Tom. How do you balance that? scheduling and prioritizing is the key. Hmm. So prioritizing number one is like, what are the top five things in your life that are most important? Write them down on paper. You know how many people I look at your list and I'm like, but if I record your life, you're not spending time percentage wise in those categories, the way you list them. If, you, if I say my wife is the most important thing to me, I should be categorically percentage wise spending more time and energy with her. If I say my faith is important, my job is important, you know, my yard is important, whatever it is, we many times don't prioritize it the right way. So you want to prioritize what is most important because sometimes things are going to get left go of. They're going to get dropped off. And mm -hmm. if something's got to drop here and I have five things to do, but I only have time for three, what two are going to go? And the other thing is scheduling, like planning your life. If you let life take you over, you are gonna get run over. So you have to know when you're doing certain meetings, when you have appointments, when you have class, when you have work, when you have quiet time, when you're gonna sleep, when you're gonna exercise, when you're gonna eat, you have to be able to know. And I don't mean in like a military style, just know what's important and when you're gonna do it and leave flex room in there for when things don't work. Great question, Tony. 
Very good. Okay, let's go. Let's keep going. Um, Long sleeve Ricky. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much for that. Donates five. Yeah. Hey, I just saw that. Kretterish, Mama Bear, a piece of pie, Weto, Maya, welcome. Please say thank you, Ricky. Because Ricky, you, Ricky is so kind to donate five memberships to this stream. That is really cool. All right. Um, let's keep going. I'm gonna I'm sorry if I missed your question. I'm gonna try what I'm trying to do now is get to new people. So if you had multiple questions, I'm gonna try to get to them, but I wanna get to as many different people's questions as, as yep. possible. Um, okay, we got that one. There's a way to get tested for things I should have been tested for as a child, like ADD or autism or getting therapy without draining the bank account I don't have. I know. That's what's really hard. Sometimes you can actually go online and find some tests that, that are generic, general, that might be able to give you uh, a look at it. I would go mm -hmm. to your general doctor first because it's going to be cheapest and easiest. They're general. So psychiatrists deal with medication, right? Psychiatrists are the most well-trained in medication. That's what they do. General doctors are trained kind of in everything generally, but still mm -hmm. it's cheaper. It's easier. I would go there and I would say, you know, I'm feeling these feelings. I wonder if I can try something for my ADD. I did that a while back and my wife's like, man, this stuff is not, your eyeballs are not looking good, Tom, uh, because <laughs> apparently it wasn't ADD, even though I think I'm ADD because I yeah. tried some, some Vyvanse, I tried some something else, Oakland, I don't know. And I tried different ones because my insurance paid for it. And I was able to see what worked and what didn't and go there. If it's depression, if it's anxiety, and a lot of times your general doctor will say, well, I'll prescribe something for you and you can try it out and see what it looks like. Cool. Before you go to somebody major. Awesome. Okay, let's keep going. Dinner, popcorn and juice, Ree. That's not a question. <laughs> trying to get Ricky, to Sorry that happened. If you if your name's in gray and you don't have a membership, you need to allow membership gifting, which is in the description at the top. One of the links down there that says allow membership gifting. That will yeah. help you. If somebody gifts five memberships like that, you'll get a chance to get one. If you don't have membership gifting allowed, you will not get a membership. So I want everybody to have a chance. Okay. From Wyatt, who asked um, where he could find you on five, uh, let's answer Wyatt's question. Can you get PTSD from emotional views? Uh, emotional abuse even recently 100 percent. yes you got to recognize ptsd is different than the old days of like ptsd yeah trauma happens there's big t traumas and little t traumas and big we t talked traumas about that are the we big have a ones. podcast episode yeah about little that t traumas are the smaller ones and emotional abuse especially over a prolonged period of time can be worse and worse because you get <clears throat> you get trained in being treated that way and your brain starts to have this negative core belief about yourself. And so absolutely, you can get that. And that's where some EMDR or just some therapy. The quicker you get help for that stuff, the better it's going to be. Okay. Um, any recommendation? This is from Natalia. Shout out Natalia. Natalia! In, uh, New Zealand. Yeah. Right? Am I right about that? No, no, no. no. Yeah, New Zealand. New right. Zealand, yeah. Uh, any recommendations place. on how to stop skin picking? I'll currently <clears> cover myself <throat> in plasters, but keep picking them off. And just keep picking. Any good suggestions about that? Well, other than the general, I always say with therapy, I mean, you can you can white knuckle it and squeeze and try the best you can to not do it. But generally some, and it could be a support group. It could be, you know, somebody who's in your area trained for it. It could be somebody online that you talk to. Just honestly, some help accountability support is beneficial because it's somebody you can talk about your feelings to and it's somebody you can be kind of 
open up the door to what you've been doing because most people that are picking aren't feeling great about it and they can't stop. And so that can be more in the compulsive arena. So talking to somebody does help and being able to have outlets that are other than that. Okay. So being able to occupy your hands in a different way other than that, being able to have something to squeeze, being able to have something to go to that occupies your hands and keeps them busy instead of reaching down to pick. But a lot of people, when they pick, they have scabs, they have scars, and then that enables them to continue to pick. Mm. And so the anxiety is going to lead to that. It's very similar to somebody who's like pulling their hair with trichotillomania uh, or twirling their hair um, or, you know, picking a chewing at their nails and the nails are completely all chewed off. All those kind of things, they're go-to methods. And so you have to be able to commit to yourself. And I always tell people when anxiety hits, go to a different place, leave mm. where you are, Talk that to somebody be, else, put your phone in your hand, text somebody. That can be for so many different things too. Mm-hmm. Like that not just Oh yeah. Like I, I've had a problem with picking my lips. That's weird as that sounds. Like picking yeah. skin off of my lips when I get anxious. That's one thing that I've dealt with before too. And many it's people crazy. don't know it until after it happens. Like you don't instantly know it when it starts. You just yeah. notice you're picking all of a sudden. Yeah. You know, it's just happening. Shout out to Wyatt for becoming a supporter. Wyatt! Appreciate you and appreciate uh, Reaction Therapy as well. Five memberships, membership. Reaction Therapy. Silver, you got it. Tony Stevens gets a membership from Reaction <laughs> Therapy. Halo, you got it. Wormy, Spanky, welcome. Good to have you with the fam. That's the beautiful part here. People get more Reaction Therapy. Go to our membership tab and check out all the links to the reactions we have and... Uh, so much more. So cool. Oh, members only live stream on Tuesday, by the way. I'll need to show up for it. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be hopefully early in the morning this Tuesday. So many good questions, y'all. It happens all the time. The picking happens all the time. And it's an anxiety issue. And what people have to be able to do is get your body trained and your mind trained in a different direction. It's not about every time you see picking, slapping it away or something, you know, old school methods. It's more about recognize what's happening that's got you stressed. Is there something due? Is there something that you've been uh, that you've been behind on? Is there something that you know you're worried about? And just pay attention to that. That's why therapy helps that. Cool. Okay, this is the last question until and then I'm gonna go to what's uh, very recent. Wow, okay. Sorry. Um, have any suggestions for adults who have recently been diagnosed with a learning disability and work is so hard and I've considered quitting the last month because of it? Yeah, well, help. And that doesn't necessarily have to be a therapy help kind of thing. That could be any kind of like uh, social or developmental support or treatment. Because when learning issues come in, it could be the job that you have that's creating that issue. And maybe a different kind of job would actually be helpful for you. But talking to somebody, because this is why I say about kids with ADD, right? And why they need therapy. It's not because they're ADD. It's because they deal with teachers getting on top of them, yelling at them, correcting them, telling them they're doing something wrong all day long. And it's stressful. It's anxiety provoking. So you're listing it right here. It's anxiety provoking. It's stressful. I've considered quitting my job because maybe it's either too challenging, not the best fit for you, or not the best environment with people for you. And so maybe you need a different place with that. But sometimes talking to a therapist or talking to a support person, uh, somebody in a community group, somebody online, uh, in chat rooms that you could find that are supportive people you can talk to with whatever issue you have going on can be helpful too. But it's mm-hmm. sharing that with other people, learning what other people want to do. And I'm going to tell you the best thing to do is 
see what job is best for you and what work environment and what people are best for you. And let's look for that. Cool. Is Tony a suicide? Oh, wait, hold on. Tony, but is Tony a suicide voice fan or a little peep fan? That's the question. Uh, Abby asks what, what to do when you crave vaping, when you vaped once. <laughs> You, you recognize the craving and you, as quickly as you can, register what the end result is as you keep yeah. doing it. In other words, if we recognize the hangover instead of the getting high, people who use, drink, use drugs, whatever, if all they did was think about the hangover the next day, the headaches, the throwing up, the sickness, they wouldn't ever use. But a lot of people think about the high. And so what you're thinking about is the fix, the dopamine, the charge that happens in your mm -hmm. brain. And we have to quickly as you can do, this is what recovering addicts do, is they register, wait a minute, that does sound really good. It's just that it's gonna taste really bad later. Mm. And so children wanna eat a big bowl of candy, right? They don't. They know it tastes sweet, it tastes good. And then they eat a big bowl of candy and they get sick and they're like, I don't feel good at all. Well, it's because all they did was think about the good taste of it. They didn't yeah. register, it's bad. You and I don't go eat a big bowl of candy because we know that's gonna get us sick before dinner. Wyatt, proud of you. Uh, he said, here's the thing. I'm happy about someone saved my life in December. It's feeling suicidal, but I talked to someone about it, and they helped me reach out. Very awesome. cool. I love that. It's awesome to hear. Um, Adrian, I remember my elementary school teacher said I wouldn't graduate. Getting my diploma felt a thousand times better when I did. That's facts right Amen. there. Amen. And I had a high school teacher that told me I'd never pass college English, and here I am with a master's degree. So please don't listen to what people say like that. All right, here are the last couple questions. Okay. Um, what do you recommend CBT? I've been recommended it, but I can't. Well, I don't know what to expect. Cognitive behavioral therapy. Do you for, recommend it? for anything in particular? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a general treatment approach. It's not for everything. Honestly, it's not for everything. It gets overused a lot. Uh, I like people to recognize patterns in their life and where different adjustment, trauma, stress issues happened and try to go back and correct those as much as possible. Cognitive behavioral, a lot of times, CBT, it, it band-aids things. And so you learn how to just behaviorally do something different, but it doesn't stop the triggers that happened before or the brain message from it. So it can be good. Yeah. It just depends on what's going on. Okay. Um, what about psychedelic-assisted therapy or just one abusing or using those substances? Some say they have done what one would call shadow work. Do you think it has any truth to it? Yeah, I mean, what a big question. That's a big question. I can't really give an opinion. I'm not gonna give an opinion on that just because I'm gonna say each case is extremely different. But when you look at shadow work and you look at, I think having a trained mental health professional helps and you look at kind of the shadow side of ourselves, this is, you know, NF kind of talks about this in his music. If you go back to his old music, the shadow side is kind of that dark side, that side of ourselves that we kind of don't look at. We don't want to see. It's yeah. a blind spot. And it does help to have a trained person there with you. I'm a little leery of different psychedelic stuff. I'm not going to say it's the best thing just because I'm not sure it's used with people who understand what they're doing with it. I've had some clients do ayahuasca stuff before, which mm. is, oh, my goodness, scary to me. But I've heard people who get a lot out of it. I'm not going to sit here and judge it, honestly, because I'm not the knower yeah. of everything. You just have to make sure you have a trained uh, professional around you to deal with that shadow work. Okay, last two. Is Xanax a good medication for anxiety? 
Yeah, I mean, it can be. Again, medications are brutally tough because, you know, Nick could take it and then I could take it and one of us, it doesn't do well at all. And we both have anxiety, but you have to try things and see what, I mean, Xanax, it can be pretty, it can be pretty addictive. I mean, a lot of people use that the wrong way a lot of times. Yes, it can be effective if it's watched over carefully and not misused. Last question um, from Rachel. I'm concerned with my child's focus. He's having issues. They notice school as well. He is only nine and I'm unsure about medication. Do you have any other advice in that area that may help him? I mean, I definitely wouldn't go to medication first for him. I would get a a play therapist. So when you're dealing with children under 10, 11 years old, you want, especially 10, 11, you want a registered play therapist if you can get an RPT uh, credential after their name. Registered play therapist is just somebody that's been trained and working with children. It doesn't mean they sit here and just play with them all the time. It doesn't have to mean that, but when they're really young, it does. But it's somebody who understands children more in therapy. And a lot of people just sit a child in their office and talk to them. I don't bring nine-year-olds into my office to talk. We have a playroom and we have a tween room that's kind of for that nine to 13 age group that is chill. It's relaxed. It's got books, games, toys, all kinds of different pillows, stuff like that. You want them, I don't want to do medication before I do therapy just because, or I'd want to do medication with therapy, same thing, because I don't know how much of it's ADD and how much of it's anxiety. Mm -hmm. Those two look very similar, by the way, with their behaviors that are presented. So if you've seen it at school, sometimes it's a pressure of school. The question is, do you see it outside of school? When summer hits, do you see the same thing? If it's ADD, you're going to see it year round, 24-7. Okay, if it's not ADHD, when summer hits and the pressure's off of school, they're going to chill out and relax. It's easier in summer, but a mental health professional can notice that more quickly Mm -hmm. and can diagnose it more quickly. But you want to, medication may be needed, but I'd be very careful to watch for that and see small dose uh, trying into it, but not without therapy. And the therapy part lets him deal with the fact that if he's getting noticed at school, he's probably having stress there too. All right. This is actually the last question. <laughs> um, how do you recommend getting past forgiving emotionally immature parents that you put through a lot growing up? I've struggled with this in the past, but it sometimes haunts me. By recognizing that people are human, they're limited, and they did the best they can with what they have. That doesn't mean they did the best. <laughs> But when you recognize they did the best they can with what they have, Nick's going to say that to his therapist one day when he gets married and has children. My parents did the best they could with what they have, but we're not perfect. And so parents don't hit the mark all the time and and not trying to put your evaluator on them. Try to put it on you and recognize I went through that. I've survived it. I've gotten through it. And now I get to decide how I'm going to live life and what I'm going to do. And I'm not going to live in regret. I'm not going to live in dwelling in the past. I'm not going to live in resentment. So try your best to put kind of what that experience was. Don't forget about it. Reflect, don't dwell. Remember, you want to look back and say, man, some of those things were really tough and I didn't like these, this and this. This wasn't fair. I didn't like the way I was treated here. But they did the best they could with what they had. And these are the things I want to take from them. And these are the things I don't. And I'm going to be a new person. All right. I'm guessing is, we might need another live I think podcast. We do. I, Adrian was saying, should have put a poll I out. should have waited until after, but y'all are going to get. I have a couple of things I want to say after this episode's over. That's the bonus of being at this live, is you know, we can talk yeah. afterwards, okay. too. Um, I did want to say that Adrian said he would love to see it like multiple, like that'd be cool. And I like, think also what I'm going to do since 5.me <laughs> is out, we have a new platform, 5.me yes. slash reaction therapy. That 
I'm probably going to do a webinar and that'd be like a Zoom call, which is cool because I get to see people. Yeah. A webinar style format where I do just this. If y'all are interested, it, it, you can join the free tier. I don't know that you're going to get on the webinar with that. Well, I probably will do some free webinars with that. So yeah. that's a platform. Please go to 5.me slash reaction therapy. I promise you it is worth it talking about mental health. And yeah, we're going to do some more of this for sure. Definitely go there. Now we're going to end this episode right here. Um, usually on these podcasts, we'll get an extra episode, but there's no extra episode this week. It's just this live podcast. Uh, if you have any questions, then feel free to leave them in the comments, but also go to 5.me. It's the best me. place. I won't be able to get them off this chat. I'm just telling yeah, you. It's Nick the best, might, but I it's won't. It's the best way to ask Tom a question. If you have a question that you're like, oh, he didn't really cover this in yep. the live podcast, go to 5.me slash reaction therapy. Ask your question there. Tom sometimes does video answers. Well, actually I know. Video, do a video himself to talking about it. And that's more than just yep. a chat. So make sure you do that. Uh, go follow all the links that are in our description. All the ones that you see up here. Just go follow all of those right there. We'd appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, I think that's Thank you all do so it. much for being Thank a part you. of this. Appreciate I love doing you. this. This is just one of many to come. Thanks for yep. being here. All right, guys. Thanks so much for watching. We'll see you on the next, next Reaction, Reaction Therapy, Therapy Podcast. Podcast. Thank <laughs> you.